welcome to another special episode of the How Long To Beat podcast. I'm your host, Paula. Join us always by Josh slash Avatash. What's up, everybody? And today we're dusting off an old agenda that we had like saved uh, for the very beginnings of this uh, season mm -hmm. that we didn't forget about. Um, so yeah, the topic today is gaming for non-gamers. Yes. Um, kind of like uh, inspired or like we literally took the topic from uh, the Rasputin video with the same name. Mm -hmm. And as I said, these are all notes. So you will be discovering our opinions on the matter. Uh, <laughs> at least our past self opinions alongside you, dear listeners. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's kind of also inspired by the fact that, you know, in a community like Hell on to Beat, we're all pretty enthusiastic gamers and we've been playing games for a while and we've played lots of different games and stuff, but it's easy to forget how much knowledge you already have and that is assumed uh, that other people who perhaps have never even touched video games before, maybe they don't know or would get confused by even down to some very simple stuff, which we'll get into. But um. I think Paula and I have both had the experience of playing with family members and perhaps others who uh, really have no idea about video games or mm -hmm. are young and growing up and learning. Um, yeah. So, so we've got a few experiences of our own to kind of talk about. So yeah, the I feel like the first experience I want to uh, kind of share with everyone and. That also gave me an idea for another episode. Like, write that down. Uh, the new generation of gamers. Um, because okay. of how different games are right now. Than, uh, like, many, many years ago. But anyway. Yep. So, um, I got a nephew. He's currently, like, 13 years old. And, um, well, partially because he kind of, like, either live with us like for the first uh, year of his existence uh, and with us I um, I refer to my dad my mom and I and that combined with the uh, many many visits he, uh, he gave us like uh, in the following years um, he kind of got interested in whatever I was doing so he would mimic what I was doing at the time either drawing Reading not so much, he was too little. Um, <laughs> but he was very almost enthralled by the things happening on the screen as I was playing video games. Um, so uh, his uh, first gaming experience was pretty much America 8. And nice. that was uh, possible because of, ha of the amount of handicaps the game has. So you are able to activate like a little antenna, so uh, the person who's playing won't be like smashing through walls and stuff like that. Uh, there's like an auto uh, acceleration thingy, mm -hmm. and I feel like there's an extra thing. So the the game will the game usually tells you when you're like going backwards, but in this case, when you have like a certain handicap activated. It will make it so you always follow the path in the in the right uh, direction. Cool. So uh, he started playing with some of those handicaps, and as he got better and better, uh, he was able to play without those and pretty much kick everyone's ass but mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and as he grew older, he would get into another uh, other party games like Super Smash, uh, like Super Smash Bros. Uh, though that was when he was a lot older, but he really enjoyed playing Super Mario Wii U. Uh, so given that um, he really liked playing on my Wii U at the time, and then he was uh, obligated to be a part of it, like far apart from it, because he went back to living with his parents. My mm -hmm. dad ended ended up giving him a Wii U for one of his birthdays, so he was a happy camper. And he got a Super Mario Bros. Wii U and the Super Luigi Wii U something Wii U. And he loved it every hell out of it. And uh, since it was just 3D and side-scroller platformer, uh, even though it was very difficult for him at first, uh, he got uh, very quickly used to the controllers because kids are sponges. True, very um, true. Yeah. Eventually he got into Minecraft. Um, the camera was a thing for him, but again... Mm. He got used to it incredibly fast. Um, Minecraft has like a, a creative mode, uh, so he was able to build stuff without getting killed. Mm -hmm. And eventually, my sister would play it with him too. So it was like kind of like a bonding experience between the two, and it was uh, good for him to like gain those motor skills that he would use in the later games that he got into. Um, it took a while. <laughs> but he got into Breath of the Wild. Like I think mm. it was like three years after the release of the game. And uh, it was the cutest thing, like having him call me uh, to my phone and talking about his adventures and then uh, him walking me through the things he found. Nice. So I would just uh, fire up my game and follow his instructions, even though I knew some of the <laughs> secrets that he was finding. <laughs> but yeah. And um, well, finally, Final Fantasy is currently his favorite series because he likes like light horror games. Nice. Um, and he's obsessed with it, like to the point that he's obsessed with it. He read the books even, and he doesn't yeah, well. like to uh, like doesn't like to read. So that's that's something. Is that also something like his friends are into as well? Like, I feel like that kind of age group maybe would be into that sort yeah, of thing. So Funnily enough, I don't remember how he heard about Finance of Freddy, but I let him play in my computer because I had it. Mm. Um, and he really loved the game. And um, he kind of like went, went quiet for a while about it. He still liked it, but he wasn't like really obsessed That's the point to, uh, to the point he is now. So the thing is, the Finance of Freddy movie came out this year. Mm. And that was the catalyst for an entire year of everyone in his school uh, being obsessed with their games. So yeah. he was like the the expert uh, at his class about financial Friday's because at that point he played like every game, watched videos about the various uh, theories about the game and was starting to read the books. So, yeah. Nice. Cool. It's interesting as well because like you're talking about your nephew who's younger and my first thing, which if anyone's listened to other episodes will know that I've been playing games with my sister who <laughs> has only just started playing games this year and she's older than me. And I'm, I was born in 1982, so you can do those maths. Um, <laughs> but she's a couple of years older than me. And um, 
her learning stuff is very different to what I imagine a kid would experience. Because I imagine. It basically started with the Harry Potter game coming out because my sister's a huge Harry Potter fan and she knew I had a PlayStation 5, so she's like, oh, can I come around to your house and play it? Like, I'll buy it, but I'll come around to your house and play it. And I'm like, why don't I just lend you my PlayStation? You can borrow it for a, a while and play it, and, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll live without it. I've got other things I can play on. Um, <laughs> and so I did that and and she borrowed it and she played the Harry Potter game because she just loves Harry Potter and everything about Harry Potter. And um, what that game has, which has worked, uh, ended up being a basically a saving grace for her as a new player. And this is a new player. Like she has not played video games before, period. <laughs> so <laughs> we play a lot of board games and that sort of stuff, but holding a controller and looking at a screen is not something she has ever done before. So this is all very new to her. And one thing that Harry Potter has, which a lot of, I have later found out a lot of other games have in their difficulty modes is a story mode, which basically means you cannot die. Everything is super, super easy in combat sense, but you get to just kind of play play through the game and you can still kind of get close to being defeated but it, it's really hard to do. But for her as a brand new player, it still felt really challenging <laughs> because she'd get there's a lot of combat in the game where you fight enemies and stuff, but basically every hit you take from them does barely anything to your health in story mode, but everything, every hit you make on an enemy does like heaps more than it normally would. So basically you don't have to attack them as much and you can take your time because as they're attacking you and you're trying to think about just what button do I press to attack them back, you're not going to die because it's very slow and just kind of chips away at you very, very slowly. It'll eventually oh. get, get you down to zero, but it's so much longer than even on the easiest difficulty above that. So that was perfect for my sister because one of the first things that she struggled with was the controller itself. And yeah, just the idea, like something that seems so simple and laughable to any other gamer, but using the left stick to move around and using the right stick to look around. <laughs> that took a while. Like it took a good couple of months for her to really get into moving around in 3D space using a controller, like a, a DS5 PlayStation controller. Because um, that whole idea of moving somewhere, but also having to point where you want to move to or looking at things just was not a natural thing that happened in her brain. And (laughs) so she'd move somewhere, but she'd like constantly, she'd be looking one direction and basically moving to the side because she knew she had to go that way without ever changing the direction of where she's looking. Even though there's stuff happening off where she can't see (laughs) (laughs) because, and then she'd stop and then have to actually think, Oh, I need to turn around and use the other stick to stand in place and like turn around. So it was this really clunky kind of process that, you know, it's kind of like, I think of it like driving a car. If anyone drives a manual, you've got to, (laughs) you've got to like balance your, your clutch and your accelerator and everything all together. And when you first do it, do it, it's really difficult and you stall and everything and you bunny hop and you just mess it all up. But now I've been driving for like 20, 30 years and I don't even think about it. Like it's not even something that enters my brain. It just happens. And it's the same with like game controls and stuff. If I pick up a game and it's like a third person kind of setup, I don't even think about what I'm doing with my sticks. I just start doing it. 
So it took a while for her to kind of get used to that sort of stuff where it's more conceptual in that way, like as in, yes, okay, you push these buttons to do it, but you also have to think of it in that sense of, you know, like when we move through space as humans, we don't think I need to look to my left because I'm going to go left or whatever. Like you just kind of do it because you naturally instinctively know how to do it. So that was like, it sounds really simple and I'm kind of laboring on the same point, but (laughs) that was like the very, the biggest barrier to entry for her was figuring out how to just move around in 3d space with these sticks that she's never used before. And I, you know, I showed her, I inverted the controls as well, just in case that was helping and, and, you know, uninverted them and basically got her to see what felt right and what felt natural. And, um, the other thing that ties in with that as well was like moving around and judging how far her character was from something else in the environment. So even just walking up to something and picking it up, like I, as a gamer would probably run into it until I stop and go, yep, I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas she'd like go near it and then push a button and be like, Oh, why aren't aren't I picking that up? And I'm like, Oh, you got to, you got like another meter to go kind of thing. (laughs) Or basic platforming and stuff like judging those sorts of distances and things took a while for her to get used to purely because, you know, she's never done that sort of thing before. So yeah, that was really interesting. Just getting used to the actual controller, let alone the game, but just getting used to that control setup where, you know, I know as a, as a gamer who's played games for a long time, if I pick up a new game, I barely have to look at, you know, the options page, which tells you what the controls are. Because I know the gamepad well enough, I can just kind of mash them all quickly and go, oh, that's what that does, that's what that does, blah, 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 let alone the tutorial telling me. But <laughs> nine times out of ten, they all there's this common kind of setup with games anyway, you know, especially action games and stuff. Like often it's either going to be like oh, your triggers do your attacks or your face buttons do your attacks, one or the other kind of thing. Or like usually it's your L buttons are your defensive ones and your R buttons are your offensive ones, you know. You just know that because you've played lots of games, but (laughs) you don't have to think, oh, there's actually, R2 is actually a button that exists (laughs) and it will do something if I push it. (laughs) And yeah, that's the kind of thing that my sister was struggling with initially. Um, And yeah, it was a very interesting experience as I kind of helped her through it because I, you know, tried to teach her baby steps and, (laughs) you know, to have some patience and, you know, she will get used to it. And yeah, sure enough, as she played more and more of the Harry Potter game, which thankfully is pretty easy and straightforward, she did get a good feel for the gamepad and start to understand where things were, at least for that game. Yep. <laughs> Getting into other games was, was the next step. Well, we haven't even looked at other consoles or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Probably going to stick with just the PlayStation because since then she's bought her own PlayStation. <laughs> because she's played enough of mine to think, oh, I actually enjoy this and I'm going to get my own. And, you know, I've basically put my account on her so she's got access to all my PlayStation Plus games and whatever, so she doesn't have to buy anything. She can just try different games. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where we started with ours as well. And But, um, but yeah, then, then she started getting into different games, but uh, I kind of want to leave that for a second and hear about uh, your where your brother got your brother-in-law got to with games okay so when i talk about my brother-in-law i mainly talk about uh my nephew's father so 
And if he has tried to get him into games a couple of times and uh, failed miserably, <laughs> uh, like one time we were just sitting at the couch and my nephew was playing Fortnite, and he was like, hey, dad, play this, play this round. I have to do something else. And he was like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this. <laughs> so first of all, uh, he gets very busy either with third person or first person games, mainly like because of the camera that is a bit of his existence. Uh, he doesn't compute the fact that she has uh, he has to uh, control the camera and the movement at the same time. So uh, yeah. it's more it's in line with what your sister uh, is experiencing. He mm. says that controls aren't intuitive at all. Like yep. he looks at the controller, it's like, what, how, why? <laughs> why is this a thing? Uh, though he managed to play the new Super Mario Bros. on 3DS. Uh, at the time, my sister had a 3DS and my nephew had a 3DS. So they kind of like play together on Super 3DSs and just uh, share stuff. And probably my nephew told him like three cool stuff. And the other, on the, on, only other game that I heard him, uh, th- that I've heard uh, that he has tried and played and enjoyed, is FIFA, or formerly known as FIFA. It is now yep. FC. <laughs> um, but pretty much gets overwhelmed by everything else uh, in existence. Yeah. So um, the other interesting thing is that is someone who used to play games that. Don't, doesn't play games anymore and that is the case with my mom so it seems to be that my mother used to play on arcades and she uh, liked to play Pac-Man and Tetris mm-hmm. and she was particularly good at Pac-Man uh, so she has had that interest in games and that curiosity and she sees how things progress and it's like holy crap this like in my day, we had like uh, huge ass <laughs> pixels and a button and a stick and, a, and that cell. <laughs> so uh, she's kind of like the main reason why we were allowed to play games in the first place in my household. Because my my father always thought of games as a waste of time and, and kids games in general. Mm. So um, she d- didn't play with us games when we were little but she liked to watch us play video games and in particular she really liked watching my sisters my older sisters play Ocarina of Time uh, Mm -hmm. because it was like one of the first times that in the games that she uh, used to buy for us uh, where she saw like uh, like an actual story and dialogue and stuff like that yeah Uh, like cutscenes and stuff so she was like very interesting in that, mm. um, and that that those memories are, were actually the reason why I got my 3ds with Ocarina of Time 3D. But that is a story for another day. <laughs> uh, she says that games nowadays have like too many features and there's too way too many fucking buttons, and she doesn't know where to start when it comes like to uh, gaming and. Uh, she almost fears that it's gonna be like too complicated for her to learn. I think I think that's very kind of that's a good point because um as you mentioned like when Pac Man and that were out like you think Atari's back in the day you had a joystick with one button on it and that's all you had to get used to. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, in the arcade you'd have a joystick and nothing else 
on some games, like especially like Pac-Man or something like you didn't need buttons. You just did a direction. Uh-huh. And so that's immediately a lower barrier than a controller that's covered in buttons and a game that has 50 things telling you what to do. If you see the Xbox controller, which I just took out of the drawer, yeah. you don't not, not only have like two sticks and the shoulder buttons, you have two shoulder, like two extra buttons hidden in the sticks that most people wouldn't realize yeah. they're there unless you're told them. Absolutely. Uh, this the the D pad and well the action buttons are for, and the ones that you never use that are the uh, I think the screenshot and the menu button. Yeah. But yeah, like you chose something like this to someone who hasn't played games in a very long time, and they just explode. It's like, what the fuck do I do with this? <laughs> well, and then you've got the the PlayStation controller as well, which has the big old touchpad that yeah also acts as like two buttons or one button depending on the game it changes depending oh, on the game so <laughs> yeah it's that can be way overwhelming compared to just seeing a joystick i think <laughs> yeah Let alone other stuff like um to get back to my sister and as she kind of playing through hogwarts and getting used to that got her kind of used to the controller so she felt more comfortable and moving around and uh, third person space and all this kind of stuff and from that um, something my sister likes to do which she does with everything like movies and TV and stuff she'll get on a Facebook group and be like hey I really like this tell me what else I can get into and mm-hmm. <laughs> so she said you know she, she found a good Facebook group where she there are other people who was like her like new gamers who didn't really understand much about gaming but enjoyed the Hogwarts game playing on story mode what can you recommend that's like that and a lot of people recommended um, playing, again, on story mode, but playing Horizon, uh, the first Horizon game. I forget what the subtitle is, but... Uh, Horizon something Dawn. Yeah, Zero Dawn. Zero Dawn, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is obviously, you know, Sony exclusive, I think, but cool. Um, <laughs> and it's got a story mode, though. So, again, very easy kind of combat and not so challenging in the gameplay department, but another big open world game with uh, a story you can follow. She recognized some of the voice actors even because she likes watching people like Ashley Birch and stuff play D&D. So that's something she was already into. Uh, But yeah, she eventually got into the story a lot because it was a good story. Um, It's also a very good game, so that helps. But I was talking to her about the game and she was talking about, you know, the combat and all that kind of stuff and fighting some of the bigger enemies and where for me it was like <laughs> my experience of the game was that it was this hugely tactical challenging combat thing where you really have to plan out how you're going to pick apart this robot huge <laughs> giant dinosaur thing and you know survive while you do it and use all of your arsenal to its best ability kind of thing and it might take a while as well like you could you could be fighting things for a long time for her, it was like, no, no, just kind of spam it until it's dead because because <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, what you get when you play on story mode, which is cool because anything more difficult, and she would have found it way overwhelming, like even that spamming it till it's dead for her felt like really challenging. And there was one thing that she learned in Hogwarts was even the idea of dying isn't permanent and isn't going to ruin your game. You just kind of either load a save file or you get 
put back to the previous checkpoint and you know for the first first few hours or however long playing Hogwarts she was terrified of messing up and dying and getting really really stressed every time there was any combat and all this kind of stuff until I basically forced her just to like walk off a ledge and die <laughs> to to just show her that it's not the end of the world and you'll just respawn and continue on your way so there's no point getting so stressed about it all because <laughs> she was like oh my god if, if I die I'm done kind of thing and um yeah but it was kind of interesting because the other things that she would encounter was stuff like things that we kind of take for granted like um recognizing when a dev is kind of telling you to go somewhere or how something will react like the classic thing that a lot of gamers i think will recognize is you see a red barrel you know that if you shoot it it's going to explode and probably hurt people around you if you've never played a game before that might be kind of new information that you don't know so yeah one of, one of the things uh that my sister did encounter when playing horizon was she was stuck at a part where she basically got lost when it's inside one of the interior uh, facility kind of parts of the map and she didn't know how to progress, like which way to go. And so she waited for me to next time we caught up and I showed me where she was up to and said, oh, can you figure it out for me? Because I'm just totally lost and I keep going around and around in circles. And I just had a quick look and went, oh, yeah, you got to go over there. And she's like, what? No, I've been over there. You know, you're, you're an idiot. I'm like, no, no, trust me, you go over there. <laughs> and so she went over there and sure enough, there was a path. There was like a, a tunnel that you had to go into or something. She's like, well, how did you know that? And I'm like, because if you look around, there's like basically arrows pointing you there because there's like big lights in triangles and they're all pointing in that direction. And the tunnel itself is kind of lit up differently to the rest of the level. So when you scan your eyes around the level, as someone who's used to looking at video games, you kind of go, oh, there's the path forward because it kind of stands out. And I know that that's something devs do to assist players finding their way is they use lighting and stuff to basically light something up and go, this is it, dummy. And, <laughs> you know, a lot of us kind of pick up on that because we've seen it so many times. And that was one thing I taught my sister was like, hey, if it's well lit, it's probably where you need to go. So... Keep that in mind if you're ever lost. Look for the lights. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah. In some sense, it's like uh, when my very friend was playing Dark Souls 1, I was like just watching him play. And he was like, well, this looks like the correct path. I'm going to go to the other way to get all the goodies and loot and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, it was like the main path was either more cleared out or there was like a, t a clear chain of enemies on there. So it was yeah. like, yeah, the enemies are guiding me. Like, they're protecting the main path, so the other path must be the way where the load is. Yeah. It's like starting a, a 2D platformer and your character's facing right. So you go, okay, I'm going to go left. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Because obviously they want me to go right, so I'm just going to go the other way to double check that first. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think there's all these little things that, you know, as gamers, we recognize all those things like, yeah, my character is facing that way, so maybe I should go that way. <laughs> Especially, like, if you start a level off and your character kind of gets up or, you know, does whatever, and then it kind of lets you take control, the the, the way that your character is facing is probably where the game wants you to go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, naturally, those of us who are used to this kind of stuff turn around and go the other way first on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but we know that as well. We know that there's often hidden stuff off the main path so <laughs> you know there's that kind of knowledge as well but um the other thing to that i kind of uh 
wanted to add to this kind of train of thought with my sister was she eventually got onto playing um, the Spider-Man games on mm-hmm. PlayStation uh, because there's a couple of things that she's really, after trying out some other games as well, there's a few things that she's realized she likes, which is either an IP that she's already aware of, so something like Hogwarts or Spider-Man, or lately she's been playing The Witcher because she loves the TV show, and um, Witcher 3, I should say, not the first two games. But, um, <laughs> that would <laughs> be purpose. rough. <laughs> yeah, I find the first game rough. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, games that she recognises the IP or like Horizon have a very solid, good story to them that she can get sucked into and really follow. Uh, she loves big open world games where you can kind of go around and go at your own pace mostly. Um, and she loves games, obviously, that aren't too challenging, like she feels like she can actually do stuff with. However, she hasn't been playing everything at story mode. She's moved on to, like, easy mode now. <laughs> so she's getting more confident with that sort of stuff and happy to take on bigger challenges. But one of the things that uh, she got stuck with on the Spider-Man game was not reading the on-screen, like, the UI prompts. Oh. <laughs> so she... <laughs> So she was playing away and she was still very much in the tutorial section of the game where they introduced new things to you. And again, she got stuck and she's like, I'm really, the game keeps wanting me to like, you know, take out, go to this base of bad guys and take them all out kind of thing. And, but I'm finding it really hard. Every time I go in there, I get my ass kicked and, you know, I, I don't, I don't progress. So I had a look at it with her and I'm like, oh, this is a stealth mission. She's like, oh, what do you mean? (laughs) I'm like, so the game wants you to approach this particular part of the map as a stealth thing. So you want to hide and be careful and meticulous and patient and take out one person at a time, not just jump in and start fighting everybody. (laughs) Cause there's like snipers on the roof and there's dudes on the ground. And if you just jump in, the snipers are going to shoot you. Or if you just start fighting the snipers and all the dudes on the ground are going to bugger off or whatever. So much like in the Batman games, this game wants you to, go around and stealthily take out dudes one at a time and where no one knows until you're down to maybe one or two guys that you can go in and just fight. Yeah. And she's like, oh. And I showed her kind of how to do that by just playing through it a little bit and then handing the controller back to her. And, yeah, she nailed it. She's like, after understanding that concept, she's like, oh, okay, and then just basically cruised through and succeeded and managed to progress through the game. But there was also a big thing on the screen, well, big thing to me, um, <laughs> there was a UI element right next to the quest basically saying, do this in stealth. I forget what the actual wording was, but that's the message it was giving you. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to read this stuff, man. Like <laughs> the things that appear on screen often appear for a reason. <laughs> so, you know, I know we all ignore tutorial messages a lot and that kind of thing as, you know, seasoned experienced gamers, but we still probably pay attention to a lot more than we even think we do because we're used to getting information from all these different ways in a game. And often it can be just a little UI element saying, do this. And you're like, okay. And <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that's kind of like how she's uh, progressed. And and these days, like I say, she's, she's played through both Horizon games. She's playing The Witcher 3 now. Uh, she's playing even that, like, Witcher 3 confused her because it's very different to games like Horizon or Spider-Man or Hogwarts where it doesn't just give you a waypoint to go to at all times. So she, last time I spoke to her about it, she was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but 
the only quest I know that I have to do is like a level three quest and I'm only level two. So I keep getting my ass kicked every time I try and do it. And I'm like, well, surely there'd be other things you can do to help you level up and stuff. Like, you know, I don't think it's a badly designed in that way. And um, so I had a look at the game and I've never played Witcher 3 either, so I don't really know what's going on. But I had a look and sure enough on the map, there's all these question marks all over the map. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I did a quick Google and sure enough, they're quests that she can go do like side quests and things. And they're not all going to be at her level, but a lot of them will be because the area she's in is obviously designed for starting out in those first few levels. And I'm like, oh, you've just got to go find those question marks. And she's like, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm like, well, let's go check it out. So we went and checked out some of the question marks. And yeah, some of them are just locations that you can find. They're not all quests necessarily. Some of them are like enemies that come off a, a contract board and someone said, I want you to go kill this enemy for me. But it's too high level anyway, so she's got to come back later. But there's enough there of stuff that she can do and can approach and do at her level that it's like, okay, this is what you should be doing. But because it's not holding your hand as much, and it's kind of in a good way, I guess, for a lot of gamers probably love this about Witcher 3, you have to kind of find your own way. And it doesn't just say, here's the big waypoint to follow, dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) It just kind of goes, figure it out, go wherever you want. That is a challenge then for my sister, who's used to the big waypoints going, this is where you go. <laughs> yeah. And she's not used to having to actually, you know, path it out herself in that sense. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really interesting seeing her, like, because now, nowadays it's been, she started playing about when Hogwarts came out, which I think was in, like, February or March of this year. So by now she's she's pretty much down with the controller, like she's comfortable with it and knows how to use it. She's kind of comfortable with very much the Horizon games because she's played both of them and <laughs> very much enjoyed them. Um, and she, she's even like got into a bit of trophy hunting and stuff, like doing extra stuff to get some more trophies because she's found she's a bit of a completionist and loves to <laughs> do, do everything, <laughs> which is fun because, yeah, <laughs> she'll often look at my trophy list and go, how'd you get that one? I can't, I can't figure it out. <laughs> and so, you know, that's fun. But, um, but yeah, it's amazing how many things, like just little things, like like I mentioned before, like even just seeing like a red barrel or something in a game, we all know that that's probably going to explode and hurt anyone standing nearby it. <laughs> yeah. Or like in Zelda games, like when you see a, a wall that it's a little bit too funky, you know you can bomb but, it. Yeah. Well, those sorts of things too, like um, Horizon's a good one. It does the thing that like Uncharted does and Tomb Raider does, uh, where if it's a ledge you can grab on, it's, it's fucking obvious enough, because yeah. yeah, it happens to be painted a different color to the rest of the whole scene. <laughs> and I can't remember what they use in Horizon. It might even be white, but I think that's Tomb Raider. I can't remember, but it's kind of pretty freaking obvious. Like <laughs> anything that color means you can climb on it. <laughs> but it took her a second to recognize that as well. <laughs> I think that's one way where uh, Breath of the Wild is kind of like more welcoming, where if you want to try something out, uh, you probably are able to do the thing and you're not yeah. restricted on movement, which is both a good and a bad thing <laughs> because uh, you can go anywhere you like, but you can go anywhere you like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you can get very quickly in, in trouble if you're not careful enough. But the game is usually like, well, this is actually one of the more punishing Zelda games 
but the game is like not punishing enough like to let it you go if you feel like if you play your cards right or just run the fuck away from it from it <laughs> oh let's see it's a line now yeah those <laughs> those things with like um so there is like this octopus enemy uh, that is usually on the water though there are like some that are like on the ground or in the grass that called octorox and they have the aim of like a sniper that has been well trained in war so if you don't kill those you're gonna get low health real quick especially since you start with only three hearts <laughs> um they aren't as aware of their surroundings as lionels though so in the in the early part of the game early like within very big air quotes um one of the first place you're um one of the first places you are like encouraged to visit by the way the story is told is Sora's domain and there is a quest where you have to get chuck arrows or like electricity arrows um from this uh half horse half human half lion thing called a lionel <laughs> and not only it has like very good hearing um it also has like very good aim mm -hmm. so the i was behind a rock that had a, a puddle of water and i stepped on the puddle of water by accident and the lionel just went yeah just turn uh to the rock aim to this to the sky with an arrow and it landed on link <laughs> So yeah, nice. Like, um, those things are fast because they have the body of a horse, so it's kind of like a lion center or something like that. Mm -hmm. So if you try to run and you are not quick enough, you can probably get uh, chopped in half by it. Uh, but also you have the possibility of teleporting to anywhere you've been to previously, like try mainly trines and uh, divine beasts. So you can get out of that tight situation if you remember to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you try to do it like by uh, more um, like traditional means, like you're running away, uh, the Lionel is probably just going to chop you in half. <laughs> nice. So yeah, it is very forgiving in a way that you can easily get yourself out of trouble, but uh, you can as easily get yourself in trouble and forget how to get out of trouble. <laughs> Well, it's interesting as well because I'm um, kind of in the opposite kind of thinking of that, like with my sister going on Facebook groups and getting recommendations from people about games to play and this sort of stuff, one of the recommendations she got was to play uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor or the first one. I don't know which one is the first one, but... I can't, I can't remember which, but of the new Star Wars games, the not the most recent one, the first one, Fallen Order, that's the one. The newest one is Survivor. The first one's Fallen Order. Okay, so yeah, she got recommended to play uh, Star Wars Fallen Order, which I have played. And as soon as she told me that, I'm like, you are joking, aren't you? And <laughs> I'm like, who told you that? Like, moron. Because that <laughs> game has more in common with like, that's got more in common with Dark Souls than like story mode Hogwarts. <laughs> And she's like, oh, no, well, it's got a story mode in it as well. And apparently it's, you know, 
cool. And because she's into Star Wars anyway, so she's like, oh, well, you know, I'll see how it goes. And again, I had it in my library, so, you know, easy enough for her to try it out because it's free. Um, and she got probably about halfway through the game before going, actually, yeah, this is this is not for me. <laughs> um, similarly, because she likes Lord of the Rings, she tried uh, the Lord of the Rings game, which, again, I'm going to have to quickly Is Google. it Shadow of Mordor? Is that the first one? I don't know which one is the first one. <laughs> so, yeah, because she likes Lord of the Rings, she tried Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor because, again, I said to her, yeah, it might be a bit too much for you, but um, it's an open-world game, again, using an IP that she really likes and is familiar with anyway. Um, so she tried playing it, but, again, the part that she struggled with was all the extra complexity, like the whole nemesis system, which is a very central part to that game, and the ins and outs of different combat where you can't just necessarily button mash for every single enemy. You have to use combos or use different abilities depending on the enemy and all that kind of stuff. So it was just a bit too challenging and complex for her, so she didn't keep playing that, but that's one that she always says, oh, I really liked it, but... I'll play it again when I know what I'm doing <laughs> and it's not for me right now. And it reminded me of my dad, who will be the last point in this kind of section um, <laughs> because my dad has never been like a hardcore gamer, but he's always played games. He's one of those people who very casually has always played games his whole life pretty much because he's a bit of a nerd. He's a science-y kind of guy and... <laughs> To the point when he was in university, he wrote a computer program on punch cards, which, you know, very 70s of him. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he, yeah, he's always been into that sort of stuff. So, you know, he's always been into having computers around. That's why I had computers to play with when I was a kid and that kind of thing, because because of him and his interest in it. Um, and even now to this day, like he's still got a PlayStation 4 that he plays games on and he'll play a whole bunch of different games. Like he's way more advanced than my sister is, but he has his limits because he's very, very casual and nowhere near as much of a gamer as say I am or we are or that kind of thing. And um, one of the things he struggles with is <laughs> thinking of like combos and stuff in Shadow of, of, of Mordor. He's played Shadow of Mordor, but it was very challenging for him. <laughs> and cause again, he's a button masher. Like he likes when I, if, if I'm ever with him when he's playing a game, all I hear is like tap, 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 Because that's his way of attacking something is just tap it, tap it, tap it till it's dead. And like there's no timing, there's no like combo, there's no special moves or anything. It's just button mash, button mash, button mash. Cool, I survived. And um, and that's cool because that works for him. He enjoys himself. He manages to do well enough to play most games he wants to play. Um, But then there's other games like I thought, well, He's really into playing golf in real life and is a decent golf player. So I thought, hey, let's play some PGA Tour, Tiger Woods style on the PlayStation because <laughs> I've got some friends who I used to play that with quite a bit because that's what they were into and, you know, anything's fun if you're playing with friends. And <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, Dad, you're into golf. Let's play some golf games. And we played one game and he hated every single moment of it because <laughs> – it was not realistic at all. It had nothing to do with real golf as far as he was concerned. And it was just completely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> because in real golf, you have to 
think about your approach up the fairway and you have a shot that gets you far enough and then you might really take a careful shot for the next shot because it's a lot harder and all that kind of thing. Whereas I'm just there hitting everything as hard as I can, smashing the X button to like give it extra strength so it boosts it and I'm like, I really, it's a really long hole which would normally take you five shots, like it's a five, par five and I get it on the green in one shot because I'm just like video gaming it and... <laughs> And he's just like, that's that's just fucking terrible. Like, <laughs> I don't want to play. I don't want to play this stupid shit. Like, this is ridiculous. There's nothing like golf. <laughs> and, and I kind of think, yeah, I guess that's probably true. But because I don't play golf, I'm down with the video game. Like, <laughs> and it's similar to there's a game which is again, this is a little bit off topic, but similar kind of experience where there's a game called like PC Builder Simulator or something. Oh, I see it. You, yeah. Yeah, you like make PCs for people. So you buy all the parts and you put it together in a case and off you go. As someone who's built PCs since I was a teenager, that game frustrated the shit out of me <laughs> <laughs> because of the parts where it's unrealistic, such as one of the simplest thing is uh, memory, like RAM, memory sticks. Yeah. Anyone who, if you don't know, that's cool, but anyone who's built a PC or knows anything about hardware is that each motherboard has its own layout for memory. <laughs> There's usually four slots, well, four slots on a dual channel memory system, but you have yeah. to kind of lay them out properly. Like you wouldn't put both stick. You wouldn't, if you had two sticks, you wouldn't put them in slot one and two. You'd put them you in slot one and them. three. Yeah. <laughs> or sometimes you maybe it would be different. Like you might put them in one and four, depending on how the motherboard's configured. It, it depends. <laughs> and there used to be back in the day there was also triple channel memory sticks so triple channel memory sticks can't go can't go into dual channel slots you have to have a triple channel motherboard much like if you have a certain socket type for your cpu it has to match the socket type on the motherboard you can't just throw any old cpu in any old motherboard that kind of thing yeah very very boring nerdy shit but <laughs> in this game pc building simulator at least when I played it, I think they might have changed it since because they have added a lot to it. You could just throw any processor with any board and any RAM in any oh, configuration no. <laughs> on any board, and it didn't matter. <laughs> and I'm just like, Ugh, but think this is about not... the compatibility of the pieces. <laughs> God damn. Well, but then I think maybe that's because I'm too close to the project. Like at the same time, I enjoy like car mechanics sim simulator. I know nothing about cars, so I feel like I'm learning things when I play that game. But I would guarantee any real mechanic who plays that game would probably go, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of my point that I was trying to make, is in, like, my dad playing golf games, he just knows golf way too well. So to see it in game form, he's just like, this is not the same thing. <laughs> this is so completely different. So close to my hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway... It's been fun watching my sister kind of learn her way into things because it kind of reminds you as well, like the kind of things that games don't teach you that they just assume, you know, such as, you know, uh, being able to identify the path forward, like with seeing a light at the end of a tunnel and going, okay, that's where I'm meant to be heading. Yeah. You know, simple things like that, which are kind of intuitive clues that most gamers probably pick up on, but new gamers really struggle with. Or to bring it back to, I think in one of those videos that 
I've seen on YouTube where um, they talk this about the same sort of thing. There was one example that they gave where this dude who was a developer got his wife to play a game. And so the, the game loaded up and she's sitting there with the controller in her hands and the game loads up and just kind of, she's sitting there with the controller in her hands and nothing's happening. And her character is just kind of standing on the screen, ready to go. And the guy's like, so why aren't you doing anything? And she's like, well, I don't know how to do anything. I haven't been told anything. And the game hadn't said anything to her. It's just kind of like started her off. But because she'd never played many games before, she didn't know that, oh, you probably have to start moving around by pushing that left stick or maybe have a look around by pushing that right stick. (laughs) She didn't know anything. So she was waiting for the game to say, now's the time to do something. (laughs) Yeah. And just something as simple as that can be a barrier for someone who doesn't really know what or have any experience with what they're doing, which I think is interesting and, and obviously a challenge for game designers because the flip side of that is every gamer who skips every tutorial ever because, God, it's so boring, I have to do a tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. But uh, the other part of this that we were thinking of, uh, listener, without going too off topic, was what kind of – what would you want to pass on to a new gamer, like if you had a kid or someone who you wanted to get into gaming or you thought might be interested, you know, someone – we're thinking mostly, I, th- I guess, someone who's young and learning rather than – someone who's older and perhaps a little bit interested, like what, what would you pass on to a new gamer and what kind of games would you recommend for them? Well, it depends who's asking. <laughs> it really depends who the fuck is asking here. Depending on the background a person has, like for example, uh, when I got my uh, my friend into Otome games, I... I already knew that she liked, for example, anime, so she was probably okay with anime tropes. And she also has uh, a crush on one or two, like, 2D who's fandos over there. So (laughs) for me, since, like, I mean, for her, since she also uh, had interest in reading and she actually has, like, a huge house collection of manga stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. I assume that, um, hey, this might be the game for you. Um, yeah. I actually like went and uh, helped her uh, get in a Vita because at the time, Atomic games were uh, mostly developed for Vita. And then I helped her get in a Switch when the jump was made to Switch for, by the developers. Mm-hmm. Of course, I wouldn't even try to recommend that to some family members, like my sister. <laughs> like maybe one of my sisters wouldn't judge I me mean, as hardly uh, as harshly, but the other sister would be like, "So this is what you've been playing." <laughs> uh, so uh, of course, uh, I'm not uh, like no one is gonna be like catch me like playing things like Olympia Sorry, which is uh, like one of the more serious Ochomet games there. <laughs> Because that would be the end of my social life uh, among my family and like friends that don't uh, vibe with that shit. <laughs> um, on the other hand, if I know they're like they want, I don't know, their kids or something or something like to play video games, mm. I would probably direct them to a Nintendo console because that is like the most family-friendly one and has like the wider, the widest variety of things that kids can play. Um, mainly because of how, they, well, they have like many, many IPs like we talk about in that Change My Mind episode. 
uh, but also it is less risky for them if they accidentally like open the shop and try to find something. Um, it, it is less risky for them to get to know games that aren't like a script friendly, especially if you put in like like under control and stuff like that. Um, so uh, at the release, like when they're talking about a console with friends, their friends will probably have not played like the more dark and greedy games that, that are available, like I don't know, The Witcher Three or stuff like that. Um, Meanwhile, my nephew has heard like one of his friends is able to play Grand Theft Auto Five, mm-hmm. and he's asking his mother, "Why can't I play Grand Theft Auto Five? Um, I had to convince him that even though he would be okay with the violence, there are aspects of the game that aren't suitable for his young age and mentality. Yep. Uh, and I, I, I had to home that, uh, like, like really bring that point home. In the sense of, I know um, you probably wouldn't buy with this game because I know you, and mm-hmm. probably your kid, like like your friend, either like got their par- his parents to get the game without knowing what it was about, or that kid mm-hmm. in particular is like considered like mature enough by the parents to play the game, which my nephew is not. Yeah, well, and there's some really fucked up shit in Grand Theft Auto Five, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like yeah, probably not because he can he sees like uh, in the news like every day shit happening, yeah. but there are things that aren't in the news that happen in Grand Theft Auto. So it's like yeah, but I don't know. Well, it's interesting because here in Australia, um, only I want to say maybe ten years ago, but it's probably more like fifteen or so. Uh, we got a R rating, which is an adult rating for video games. Before that, the highest rating was what we have, which is a MA15, which means you have to be at least 15 years old. So what that meant was that for games that were very adult and would otherwise get an R rating, such as Grand Theft Auto, um, it would mean that either the game would be released as a 15, so accessible to people who maybe are a bit young and shouldn't have access to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it would get refused classification entirely and be effectively banned from the country. Ooh. So it would be illegal to acquire and play that. And I ran into that trouble with Mortal Kombat 9 because it got refused classification at the time because there was no adult classification and it's way too violent for kids. So it just got refused classification so it didn't get released in Australia initially. And I ordered it from overseas because I like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> And after I acquired it, I realized that I could have got fined for importing banned goods or whatever. Oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, we won't tell anyone about that. Because then a few years <laughs> later, um, there was a lot of campaigning from gamers and stuff because it was essentially people not understanding that games are not always for children mm-hmm. and that adults do play games. And so adult content in games is actually okay as long as it's classified correctly, such as with movies or anything else. Um, you know, if there's fucked up shit in a game, that's okay. Sure, you don't want kids seeing it, but there are actually adults who perhaps want to play that game or whatever. So nowadays we do have an 18 plus rating, um, thanks to some heavy campaigning. Um, but the thing that I find interesting about all of that, which what you were getting at with um, choosing games for, your, for kids and like um, people being able to play Grand Theft Auto or something, even with an R18 rating, plenty of parents still don't understand that games are not just for kids. 
yeah. and they'll go they'll go buy the adult game to give to their 13 year old <laughs> at home which sure it's up to people's discretion and i'm not one to you know i don't want to police people too much and tell them they're doing something wrong but maybe if something has got a lot of violence and weird fucked up shit like there's torture stuff in grand theft auto 5 and there's obviously a lot of sexual content and that sort of thing as well which you know obviously different people have different opinions about but maybe your 13 year old kid is not ready to understand these things in the same objective way that adults do <laughs> yeah so yeah anyway i was looking at h h ratings here in chile because i Okay, since I usually either import more of most of the games I get because of my games, or mm. um, I either get them like from other places that import games uh, and get them cheaper. Mm -hmm. I totally forgot that we actually have an age rating thing in Chile. So <laughs> the thing is, is that okay, games usually get uh, grabbed into like this uh, plastic thingy. Um, yeah. Okay. I kid you not. Uh, let me take this home here, like this uh, paper thingy. <laughs> the age rating thing is like this big. Like uh, compared to the case, the, the game case, it is absolutely ridiculous. I think some game, some places have like a little uh, smaller um, kind of things. But from what I remember, they are like this big, like half of the game case on Switch, and it has like three fingers left on the bottom or something like that. Yeah. For, for listeners, Paula's ex example is basically taking up most of the case, so you can't miss it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the thing is, is that we have the age rating of, well, especially ER or especialmente, especialmente recomendado, which is especially recommended, which is mm -hmm. pretty much for our all ages, and it's like the equivalent on ESRV is like the early childhood or small children kind of thing. I use Peggy mm -hmm. 3. And for uh, th there's a TE, which is Toladad or All Ages, which is pretty mm -hmm. much everyone, E for everyone. And this is where it's kind of like interesting. We have an 8 plus category, which is, cool. well, 8 years or more. <laughs> and that kind of like uh, is kind of like uh, the E10 plus, and then we have 14 plus. Like, uh, this is interesting because now that I'm seeing like the ratings like next to each other, uh, so the ESRV says 10 plus, Hila says 7 plus, Europe says 7, like 8 plus or 7. Meanwhile, we had the 14 plus uh, games that are like teen uh, rated games. Mm. which is 12 on Peggy. And then we have two categories that are 18 plus. It can either signify RP or adult only games mm. because we don't, we don't have the difference between those two. And since adult only games don't get released on consoles, like we don't have to care, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I totally re uh, forgot that uh, this was a thing. Mm. Um, let me see if I can actually uh, have a picture. Okay, so I think they made it smaller. It's way more decent now than in the 3DS days. <laughs> um, so let me... And this when this... 
when did this start? I forgot. Like just one day it started and and that's it. Uh okay, I so sent it on Discord. So so yeah, the the level isn't as monstrous as I remember it being, but at some point it was like quite stupid. It's still pretty prominent though. Yeah, you can't really miss it. No. It's taking up like a good quarter of the, the cover. So yeah, like unless you're uh, buying games in some other store that imports their own products and their products uh, don't go through Nintendo Chile or not Nintendo mm-hmm. Chile, uh, Nintendo Latin American Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, you, if the games don't go through that, then you don't get that stupid label in your games. <laughs> but I think we kind of like. I uh, went on a big tangent here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, part of the reason I got, I was thinking about classifications is because here, pretty much the R rating is the only one that's, like, legally enforceable. Yeah. As in you can get fined if you provide adult goods to a minor. So, you know, if you do sell a, a movie ticket, an R-rated movie ticket to someone who's 15, you can actually get fined for that. Same as if you sell a R-rated game to someone who's under 18, you can get fined for that as well. You know, so it's actually a legal kind of requirement. And so often I kind of I kind of like it as an adult because it's a good way, it's a good defense kind of when you've got a kid demanding something because their friend's got it. It's like, well, actually, <laughs> it's illegal. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it, even though... Yeah, sure. It's it's up to everyone's discretion as to whether their kid can handle that or not and interpret what's going on. But, yeah. Because um, there's other things like I remember when I was a kid, I saw some stuff or I played games or saw movies which were probably well above my age range. Mm-hmm. But none of it sank in. Like it all just went over the top of my head and I didn't actually pick up on any of the fucked up shit because I was just a kid going, la, 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 this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so... But yeah, I, when, I, when I think of like if I had a kid, because I think if I had my own child and what games I'd expose them to, I think I'd probably just stick with mostly kind of educational stuff or things that I thought they'd learn something in. You know, like Minecraft, I think, is a fantastic example because, you know, you have to be creative. You have to kind of plan things out together. If Even if you're playing with your friends, if you want to accomplish something, you've got to kind of work together and work in teams and perhaps gather resources or if you're in creative mode even just thinking creatively and you're making something even if it is in a game world and you know there have been studies and everything that shows that that kind of stuff is actually good for kids brains because it (laughs) teaches them how to do stuff that's kind of fundamental um but then from having friends who have kids i know that they approach games very differently to the way adults do yeah (laughs) and such as (laughs) Minecraft being a good example, like my friends' kids who play Minecraft, they might they might spend like 15 minutes working on something like, hey, we're going to build this castle or something, and they'll kind of get it half done and then they'll just be like, ah, fuck it, and they'll spend like <laughs> yeah. hours just doing nothing, <laughs> like just fucking around and joking with each other and exploring the map and just not really doing anything. <laughs> but that's cool because they're having fun and they're, you know, being social and whatever. But... um it might not be as intensely educational as you kind of hope it would be. <laughs> Definitely. You know, it's hard for uh, 
for kids to get into the educational games, in my opinion. Like, it's hard to make a good educational game that is fun. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, that's thing. true. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, that's why I like things like um, Assassin's Creed and stuff. Not that I would necessarily give that to a little kid, but things with like historical accuracy and stuff where you just learn stuff by playing it. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the intention, but the intention is that it's accurate and has real information in it. Yeah. Or that requires skills like, you know, like problem solving skills or social skills or those sorts of things. Like we, I remember we talked about Polo ages ago about um, things that we've got from gamings and things we've learned from games. And you mentioned how you'd learned some social skills and things from games uh, just by pl- trying out different dialogue trees and things and seeing how pe- how game characters react and stuff. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't want to, you know, put you on, on the spot, but <laughs> like, I, I think that stuff's really cool. And that's the kind of thing that I would want to encourage people to, to do because I think it's, it's really useful. And, and, like it is a safe space where you can like just fuck up and not lose a friendship over it. Um, yeah. So it, it's actually like helped me a lot with learning empathy and stuff like that. <laughs> um, oh, another thing that I forgot that it, it is very, very important and you may not understand because you're primarily <laughs> an English speaker. But if my friends want to play a game, but they are not necessarily fluent in English, that makes the 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 amount of options that I can provide like very very limited. Yeah. Like even though they might have the console, like for example, I don't know a Switch, and maybe if they did like anime and stuff like that, I couldn't just say, "Hey, play this Otome game that has very complex vocabulary." Or even like I can't tell my nephew to play Ace Attorney because Ace Attorney never released in Spanish. Yeah, right. Like I did find a patch, or like not a patch, a one a patch ROM of the game, so I have to check it to see if it is mm. written in a way that uh, it is understandable because some fun breaks can be like just cool translate shit. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like that is another barrier for entry, uh, the language itself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously as an English speaker, I don't really encounter that. But um, outside of, I think, some like bad Japanese translations and stuff that I've seen, but um, or Russian, actually, there's a few games I've played where it's been like bad Russian translations from Russian to English. But um, I'm guessing that's way more common for languages other than English. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, you know, I... Yeah, I'd I'd be fucked if it was in any language other than English. So, like for example, um, I think it was up until I don't remember if it was X and Y or Sun and Moon. I want to say Sun and Moon, but people in China. Well, first of all, if you live in China at that time, uh, you wouldn't normally have access to video games because um, China have a very strict um policy uh around those things so uh for example one of the ways nintendo got to uh release some games in china was making games available on like nvidia tvs and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but since uh pokemon couldn't like pro- be properly released in china 
Then there was the Chinese version for Pokemon. Until Sun and Moon, where they added the both the Chinese and simplified Chinese to the to the language uh, mm. options of the game. Even though I I still think they can't get the the games like normally if they walk in, into a store. But Chinese people who are able to import the game uh, were very happy <laughs> because they yeah. finally are able to play the, the game they grew up with in their language. Mm. Yeah, that'd be rough. I mean, I know, again, not to go on a tangent, but I know for, I don't know if they still do it, but for a while China had a closed off internet, basically like a an internet that was only their country. You couldn't actually go outside of the country on the internet and... So you couldn't even download, you know, hacks or anything or, or pirated versions. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember I actually went to China at one point. Um, I think I was 15 or 16 or something like that. Uh, nice. So a while ago, like 10 to 11 years ago. But anyway. Um, That's cool. It, you couldn't go in on any social media thing, either Facebook, mm. YouTube, anything. Uh, because of how the, the the government has like these very strict rules, and I guess you could eventually get a VPN, and that way you can connect out to the country. But if you are in China, you're probably out of luck. You can't connect to anything that your country doesn't want you to connect to. Mm. Yep, but uh, yeah, we, we don't need to get too political. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, f- I, f- I feel for people who have trouble accessing. Uh, stuff because of language barriers or geographical barriers or you know, things like that where it really shouldn't matter in this day and age. And perhaps that's something that AI will be good for in the future is perhaps localization of stuff because that's difficult to do, like translating everything to every language in the world. But maybe if AI is smart enough to pick up on nuance and colloquialisms and things, then it'll help in that sense. I don't know. <laughs> we still have a long way to go though like oh, yeah. even like especially with languages with like Chinese and Japanese and maybe Russian even because of how um, interesting the way of talking they have like mm. um, uh, like they're not quite like especially Chinese uh, they're not quite literal uh, mm. so for example like uh, in the Twitter like most of the movements in Tai Chi are called like uh, the names are based like on a gesture, so like uh, I don't know, like uh, stroking or brushing, like uh, a bird's feather or tail or something like that, or um, the white crane uh, flops flops its wings or something like that. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's the, the, the it, it, it is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, and I think those sorts of translations require a lot of interpretation yeah, rather than just straight, this means this kind of thing. So, yeah, anyway, um, back to video games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a big tangent there. Uh, well, you know, I, I've mentioned all the stuff that my sister has got into and what, what has appealed for her. And if I was getting someone into games as an adult, I would probably look for especially uh, things that they're into anyway, such as mm-hmm. my sister being a big fan of Harry Potter and really wanting to play the Hogwarts game. Yeah. Because, and she'd read all about it and she knew what was happening. She knew way more about it than I did. And, 
she's like, oh, you get to be your own student at, Her- at Hogwarts, like, 100 years before the actual movies take place, or, or the books take place, rather. And, you know, oh, you get to be in all that world, and rah, 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 and it's so cool. And, you know, she's, like, sold on the story and the setting and everything. So then coming up against challenging things like how to use a controller, it's kind of worth getting through those barriers because she's into the material. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Whereas other things I showed her, like um, I'm trying to think, oh, there was there was a couple of other games that I did show her which was similar that she just never really got interested in because it was just some random game IP that she hadn't heard of before. Whereas all the stuff that she's gotten sold on, other than Horizon for that matter, um, but like Spider-Man, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, you know, these are all things that she's into anyway. So kind of like a characteristic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a good motivation to do it, and well, it's kind of like even oh, that's right, she did try playing uh, the first the first of the new Tomb Raider games, which. Is different again, but it's like a kind of semi-open world third-person action-y thing. Um, but she's not really into Tomb Raider anyway. Like, <laughs> she's never, as far as the other stuff, like she doesn't really like the movies and she doesn't really care about the character or anything like that. So it didn't take long before she just kind of got bored of bored of it and too challenged for how much she was enjoying it. Yeah. And, yeah, so she kind of put it down pretty quick. But then I think of people like... You know, not everyone's going to get into everything. Like, my mum has no interest in video games, (laughs) like a lot of people wouldn't. And the only thing she likes playing ever is, like, uh, trivia quiz games that we play as an entire family sometimes, like usually at Christmas or something. (laughs) So there's, like, there's an old game called Buzz Quiz World, which was on PS3, I think, but you can play it on newer stuff. But it came with physical uh, controllers that were actual buttons that you pushed. So there was like when you wanted to buzz in to answer a question, you'd actually push a button. Oh, my God, that's so fun. (laughs) (laughs) And then on the the face of the controller, there was like four or five different colored buttons where you'd choose your answer. So you'd buzz in and then your character on the screen would like, get to answer and so you choose your answer on the on your controller and it was very interactive in that sense Uh um and yeah so my mum got into playing that because she can understand that and there's like no barrier to entry there it's basically just push the button to buzz in that's all you need to know (laughs) and then answer the question that's on the screen so that sort of stuff is very accessible those sort of party games i guess are accessible for people who don't necessarily know or even want to know how to play games (laughs) Yeah. Another yeah. game that I can think of is Hero Hero. And though that IP is like that, uh, we still have like on the uh, university department I study at, that is uh, comp- computer science. Uh, we have a room with all kinds of games and consoles. And someone uh, very, um, uh, very happily donated a PS2, I think, with a guitar from Guitar Hero. I have to say, I play guitar. That is not like playing guitar, but it's still like a good finger exercise. But because holy crap, some of the levels can get yeah. a little bit out there, <laughs> especially like on the higher difficulties. Yeah, I, I love like Rock Band and Guitar Hero and stuff, just because I think they're really fun. But I remember getting frustrated with Guitar Hero because 
there were songs that I couldn't play on Guitar Hero, but I can play on real guitar. Uh... <laughs> but the button combinations were just too confusing on Guitar Hero. Yeah, I so, get that. It's kind of like the golf thing with my dad. Like, <laughs> I understand the real thing probably too much, so the game version gets confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, but they're fun games. Mm-hmm. They're very fun games. Um, actually, like, uh, and some other versions of it, like Rock Band, have like a microphone so you can sing along with whoever is playing the guitar. So it's like, hey, you're playing with me, but um, you're doing karaoke and I'm doing this crazy thing with a guitar. Yeah. Well, and I had a good friend who well, had, I still have them, but <laughs> one of my good friends, she and I used to play Rock Band all the time together because we both wrote really into music and when we'd hang out and stuff, we'd go, Hey, let's play some rock band for a little bit. And she didn't play any other games except rock band and didn't really have any interest in it either because we just liked playing music together and we'd have a good time. And that was that. And see you later. And, um, but she didn't have any interest in any other games or anything. It was just, yep. That's what I like to play. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. And then you've got like hardcore people playing dark souls with a guitar hero guitar and stuff so <laughs> there are some really crazy people or like um i don't remember which game it was but i remember someone playing like with the dance dance revolution path yeah i've seen people play like elder scrolls with that more recently they're kind of crazy it's insane i, I don't see the, the point <laughs> yeah like uh back to the topic like some games that are like quite accessible to everyone who is able to move their body i guess is anything with motion controls again the just dance games are perfect for a, a little party if you just want to move and mm. don't have friends that actually like want to play like very serious video games um. or like the epitome of a very casual uh, and accessible to everyone was the uh, w- um, Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort. Yeah. Uh, where you have the motion controls. And I think those are the games that um, are the most responsive with uh, the motion controls. Uh, yeah. People love it because, it's like, hey, it's like I'm really p- playing tennis or ping pong or stuff like that well i think i think as well like those sorts of games are games that people already understand yeah so everyone knows how tennis is played everyone knows how tempin bowling works um i know heaps of people who at some stage have owned a wii and wii sports and pretty much nothing else just because (laughs) and because they can understand how to play that or play darts or you know do all those kind of sports games with a motion controller and just waggle it about and yeah, that's obviously very intuitive to a lot of people as well because yeah, like I, yeah, lots of people I know who aren't even into any games at all have have owned a Wii and Wii Sports. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, and that's cool. But I think at the end of the day, it, it does obviously depend on who you're talking to and their age and their experience and their interests. And it's like anything; it's like trying to recommend movies to people or music or anything you. It is different for everybody, but there are some key things to remember that I think we as gamers sometimes forget, like the amount of stuff a game doesn't tell you <laughs> yeah, and just assumes you know and how familiar we are with game pads and different types of controls. 
um, and we don't have to really think about where buttons are or what they mean or you know, even down to switching controllers. Like I switch between PlayStation and Xbox controllers all the time. And so I get different prompts on screen all the time. But for some reason, my brain manages to figure out that X on a PlayStation controller is at the bottom and X on a Xbox controller is on the left. <laughs> and X on a Nintendo controller is at the top. Well, so, well, that's why if I ever pick up a Nintendo controller, I get confused because I don't know where any of them are. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably my experience of being uh, inexperienced <laughs> is when I'm out of friends and we play, say, Mario Party or something on their Switch. And yeah, I don't know. What's, I have to look at the controller and go, oh, that's where the buttons are. So, <laughs> Yeah, like but, uh, that one time before I got a PlayStation where, I came, uh, where a friend was like, hey, do you want to try out Dark Tools? The uh, thing is, in, in Nintendo games, you usually attack uh, or uh, do stuff with the face buttons. And in mm -hmm. Dark Souls, you attack and block with the triggers. Yeah. <laughs> that took a while to get used to. Yeah. And imagine if you're not used to anything and you're trying to get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to add? Um, other than a really know the friend you're trying to recommend games to or mm. family member they're trying to recommend games to and yeah if you're playing with for example a kid or a teenager uh, one idea that I actually got from an anime is that make a group of friends that you know you can trust so they can always have like someone to play with uh, so I play. I watched this anime where it's like Yamada Kun level nine 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 or something like that, <laughs> and it is our. It is actually like a romance manga, a romance anime, but they meet through this uh, MMO, and one of the friends of uh, one of the uh, protagonists of the anime has a little sister, and he made a guild on an, on this MMO. Uh, for he, uh, his sister to uh, have always someone to play with that was a safe person. Yeah, cool. So yeah, um, it's a good idea. Yeah. It, it was an excellent idea. So it was like, oh my god, I have to <laughs> do that with my nephew whenever like he gets into the age of MMOs or something like that. But anyway, uh, that's it from from me. So mm. I hadn't really considered the kind of cybersecurity aspect of multiplayer gaming but it's definitely a thing that you'd have to think about isn't it if you've got young kids especially and yeah, yeah. especially like i saw you put your blocks in there mm. and well my nephew has been uh very uh, much instructed on not talking to anyone that isn't in his group of friends uh but there's still like people in there like trying to either get to know kids because they're groomers or like just mm bad actors in general though there of course there's gonna be like good people in there but how's a kid gonna know yeah and again it's it's like um anything when you talk about kids as opposed to adults like there's a certain expectation that adults can figure stuff out for themselves or at least have enough common sense to recognize things that may not be safe or good or whatever but even others are different from that well, even then like i've i've been scammed before and I'm not too embarrassed to say it, but, 
even as like an IT professional in the past, I've still messed up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, kids who have no concept of these things, like to expect them to be able to navigate these spaces uh, in- intelligently and safely is probably a bit much. Like you- the thing I w- I'm always hot on with kids playing games or experience anything like listening to music or different types of movies or TV shows or anything is for adults to be present in that. Yeah. Like not just, not just leave them to it and say, figure it out yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Cause as someone who's into a lot of stuff that could be seen as fucked up, um, (laughs) like I like some really extreme heavy music. I like some gratuitous, violent, horrible movies I like intense, out there, crazy video games. Like, yeah, I'm into basically anything if it's if it's there to be into. So I'm always up for kids experiencing different things and trying different things. And like, you know, and I think art and media and creativity is something that kids should be familiar with. But I think it's always good to have an adult there to say, you know, this is fictional, right? And <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just and the reason this character is doing that is because they're trying to teach you this lesson, or they're trying to tell you this thing, or they're trying to be a bad person to show that it's not good, not that it's something you want to do. <laughs> yeah, and you know that sort of thing. So, I think whatever you do, that's always a good thing. Like you say, to have a safe space and you know trying to help kids experience stuff, but in a in a safe way that's not going to mess them up and give them weird perceptions on things and weird ideas so yeah but uh we may have got a bit tangenty here and there but i think uh i enjoyed myself um (laughs) (laughs) it was quite fun discussing this with you and uh as always anyone listening if you've got your two cents you'd like to add please do always interested in what other people have to say as well but uh i think we're pretty much done thank you everyone for listening to us if you have any comments you could go into the comment section or send us an email to um, I told TV podcast at gmail.com <laughs> or you can reach us uh, reach out to us on Discord or the how long to beat website so our DMs are open yeah yeah thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you next time bye bye